Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Talking about grace this month at church. Paul spoke last week about the fact that grace is undeserved, unmerited, and unbelievable. And he, that is so true. Grace is all of those things. The grace of God is powerful. It is amazing, the amazing grace. It is humbling. It is empowering. It is life-changing. It is life-giving. Grace is huge, isn't it? Yep, indeed it is. Grace is a gift. It's free, but it's not cheap. It costs Jesus everything. Grace is so, so, so much more than a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace gets us into heaven. Yes, that is true. But it does a lot more than that. It gives us the power to live the Christian life here on earth. Grace does that. It, It gives us the power to live free. It gives us the power to say no to sin. It gives us the power we need to follow Jesus Christ. And that is huge. It's huge. Ephesians 2 says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. We can't take credit. It is a gift from God. The Christian life cannot be lived apart from from grace, and yet so many Christians try and do it. God, in his wisdom, he devised this plan for the salvation of humankind, and that plan involves faith and grace. These two things, they work together in our salvation. As we believe, as we believe we are justified, which means we are made right with God, we are saved by faith, by believing that Christ died for us. Faith gives us access into the Christian life, but we stand in grace. We stand by the grace of God. Faith is like the aeroplane that we fly in to get to our destination, which is the grace by which we stand. As believers in Christ, we live from a place of grace and rest in the finished work of Christ. Paul spoke about rest today and yesterday, actually. That is It's all from a place of rest in what Christ has already done. He did it. He said it is finished. Romans 5, 2 says this, Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. What a beautiful, beautiful statement. He's brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, another word for grace, where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We're saved by faith into this place of undeserved privilege where we stand. And we can stand firm and strong and immovable in the amazing grace of God. Are you standing firm and strong and immovable by the amazing grace of God? Or are you trying to hold yourself up? By your own works in the Christian life. I just need to, 
No, you don't. I just have to stop. If I could just stop it, please. Don't be silly. Stop. It is done. You can't, you can't live the Christian life by your own effort. The thing about the amazing grace of God is that our works, our effort, our striving gets us nowhere. In regards to grace, it gets us nowhere. We can't ever make the grade. We can't, we, we don't have enough good works to make the grade. If you think about it like this, if you have frequent flyer points and you're going on a flight and you want to get an upgrade, is that anyone's dream? To get an upgrade? Yes. This happened to us, okay? We were sitting in a plane years ago and um, we were sitting there and the stewardess came up to us, not to kick us off the plane, <laughs> thankfully. She said, uh, excuse me, are you... I might do this because my microphone's over there. <laughs> are you Mr. Paul Marshall? Yes. Is this your wife? Yes. I'm glad he said yes. <laughs> I didn't know what was coming next at the time, but I'm so glad he said yes. She said, um, we've got an upgrade for you to business class. Now, there are other passengers around, so if you don't mind just picking up all of your possessions very quick, quietly, and just following me, please, sir, ma'am. And they took us up to business class and ruined us for every other flight we're going to go on. <laughs> now, we didn't have the money, definitely, and we didn't have the points at all to get that upgrade. But there was this guy who was a pilot who knew Paul. And he was not flying the plane, but he had a friend who was flying the plane. And he rang his friend and he said, my, my friend Paul Marshall's going to be on that plane. Do you think you could give them an upgrade if there are enough seats? And so we don't have the money, we don't have the good works, we don't have anything that we need to get to heaven. But you know what? Jesus does. And he did. And he's given you all an upgrade into heaven. By his grace. Not by your works but by his grace. Grace is a beautiful and wonderful thing. 2 Peter 3 says this, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. But grow. That means increase. That means enlarge. That means grow up in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Look, I've already said today that the grace of God is huge. So it doesn't need to grow. But we all need to grow into it. We need to allow more of God's grace into our lives. We should be growing in grace. And that's what my message is about today. We can increase in our ability to give grace and to receive grace. To give it and to accept it. Where do you need to grow in grace today? That's my question for you. In your ability to give grace away to others when they mess up, when they don't meet your grade? Or, or do you need to grow in accepting grace for yourself? 
in receiving grace for yourself. Maybe it's both. Matthew 11 says this. It's a beautiful verse. Are you tired? Worn out? Burn out on religion? Let me tell you something about religion. Religion is anti-grace. Totally anti-grace. Religion will burn you out quicker than any other thing. Jesus says, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Doesn't that sound beautiful? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, every person who hears those words has got to feel drawn to them, right? Don't they just draw you in? Especially due to the fact that we live in a fast paced, it needed to be done yesterday, how much can I fit into my life type of world. Now the invitation that Jesus gave us, it's not a joke, it's not a hoax, and it is possible. He sends out the invitation to all who are interested in living this sort of life he describes. Is anyone interested in living this sort of life that Jesus describes? Just a couple of you today, good. <laughs> it's an invitation. Come to me, he said. You know, we can only live that type of life, I believe, as we grow in grace, as we learn the unforced rhythms of grace. As we receive grace and as we give grace. Jesus lived his life in such a way that although he worked hard and sometimes long, he didn't wear out. He didn't stress out. He didn't fall apart. He lived his life in such a way that the important things were done. They happened. And he says this, he says, walk with me and work with me. Work with me. His work. Not our work. A lot of the time, the work that we're doing is not his work. It's our own self-effort, our own striving. He says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And it's an invitation to walk with him. Grace is not forced. You try and force something. Ever tried to force something? We were doing renovating one year in a, in a um, what do we call that thing out the back? No, not a garden. <laughs> Sounds like two syllables, no. Nevis lived in it. Whatever it was. The cabin. We had a cabin out the back of our house years ago. And Paul and I were doing some renovating. And he had one end of the beam that we were standing on to paint. Here we go. He's not happy that I'm using this illustration. I had the other beam. Ever tried to force something where it's not supposed to go? And he jammed it into the wall and this little finger got broken. And it's still bent. Can you see that? 
It's supposed to look like that, but my finger looks like that, because Paul broke my finger. And I've forgiven him, and I've forgotten all about it. Oh, darling, I don't mind at all. I still love you. Mm. When you force something, things get broken. If you've ever renovated, you will know that you need to use the right tool for the right job, or else it doesn't work very well. The unforced rhythms of grace. Many of us live our lives where we're going through life pushing and pulling, and we end up broken. Bits of us hanging out here and there, trying to do things we weren't designed to do, trying to prove things we don't have to prove, trying to control things we can't control. That's not grace. It's not grace. Jesus said, walk with me. Watch how I do it. So I've got a few things that Jesus did that I think help us to grow in grace. The first thing is first things first. That's my first point. First things first. I'm a great believer in first things first. Let's get it right. Jesus was with people most of the time. He loved people. He healed people. He prayed with people. He ate with people. He helped people. He taught people. Uh, The introverts in the room feeling exhausted right now. That would be me. The Bible tells us that when he was baptized, he came out of the water, a dove descended from heaven, and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And some versions say that the Holy Spirit came and remained on him. In other words, he walked through life in communion with the Holy Spirit. He had a constant awareness of the Holy Spirit. We need that to grow in grace. But that's not all he did. Listen to these verses, Matthew 14. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Luke 5 says, But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. What do you get from that? Not only did he walk in constant communion with the Holy Spirit, but he regularly withdrew to connect with God. I am telling you that both those things enable us to grow in grace. And if it's just that every now and then I might talk to you, God, we're going to miss it. It's in that place of communion and prayer. It's in that place of allowing the Word of God to challenge and change us. When he says, work with me, it's not physical work. It's this, work with me, let the, let the Bible, let the word of God challenge that thought pattern, let it change that thought pattern, let it say to you, no, sorry, what you're thinking is wrong, I'm gonna, I'm, I need to correct you there, that's the work. I mean, look, the Holy Spirit, he is, I mean, he has a hide sometimes. A number of years ago, I was in a situation with a very good friend of mine, And she really hurt me. Anyone ever been hurt in life? Yeah, a couple of you honest ones. And she she did something that she should never have done. And do you know what? When I was 
in communion with the Holy Spirit, do you know what he had the hide to tell me to do? He said, forgive her. And I was like, you've got to be joking. <laughs> really, God? Yep. Forgive her. But I don't want to. But I'm right and she's wrong. Forgive her. But if I forgive her, isn't that just saying that it's all okay? Mel, forgive her. And so I did. I was in Kmart at the time. Because God can even speak to you in Kmart. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. And I did. I said, okay, God. And, I, and she was a very close friend and it was a big thing in my life at the time. Very soon after I did that, she called me. Mel, I am so sorry. All I did was do what the Holy Spirit said and give grace. I grew in grace. Communion with the Lord. First things first is the first way we grow in grace. Second thing is say no to accusation. Matthew 12 says this, Departing from there, he went into the synagogue, this is Jesus, and a man was there whose hand was withered, and they questioned Jesus, asking him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that, so that they might accuse him. See, the Pharisees were the religious bunch and they were trying to catch Jesus out. They were always trying to catch Jesus out. So they asked him this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Interesting question. It showed their heart. It showed what they really thought. It located them. You know, you can tell something about someone by what comes out of their mouth, by what gets under their skin. See, if if what comes out of my mouth all the time is criticism, then that's what's in my heart. If what comes out of my mouth is grace and love and acceptance, then that's what's in my heart. The Bible says that we will know them by their fruit, by what we're growing. The questions the Pharisees asked showed their heart. Is it lawful to heal? Come on, Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Because we know the answer. And we know that if you say it is, then you're wrong and we're right. They could have looked at this man with the withered hand and he, they could have said, isn't it in God's heart to heal, even on the Sabbath? After all, this man was broken. The, the Pharisees were the religious police, just waiting, just waiting for someone to fail so they could be sure to let them know how they had missed the mark, just waiting. You know, but the Bible says that sin is missing the mark, but last time I read my Bible, it said that it wasn't my job to decide if someone was sinning. It actually says to judge not lest you be judged. It actually says to take the speck out of my eye before I start to look at other people. The religious police. See, if we find ourselves waiting, just waiting for someone to do something wrong so that we can accuse them, I think we need to grow in grace. In, your, in our relationships, are we ready to pounce? 
Oh, you've done it. I knew you were going to do that. Cut them off. That's it. Vote them off the island. No second chances. You have to, you have to wonder if, that, if our heart is full of that, whether we've experienced the grace of God ourselves. Because you can't give what you don't have. Revelation 12 says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Who is it that is accusing us before God day and night? It's the devil, thank you. It's the devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren and he looks for ways to accuse us. What I want to say to you this morning is don't join his team. He's playing for the opposition. Don't play for the opposition. Sometimes we can accuse someone and it's like we're kicking our own goal. We're kicking a goal for the opposition. Yeah, I kicked a goal, I kicked a goal, I told him off, I told him off. You're playing for the opposition, people. Yeah. You guys are very quiet today. <laughs> Get that spirit out of your life. It will poison you on the inside and it will cause your relationships to break down. You know, there is another voice of accusation. And it's the voice of self-accusation, self-hate. And it's just as bad, and it's just as destructive. And there are people in this room today, and you live in torment. You live in torment by, of a voice of self-accusation. And it's the voice of the devil in your ear. You go a few steps forward, and then the voice of accusation comes, and it sends you back. And you, you do something... And the voice of accusations comes in, how could you have said that? How could you have done that? You call yourself a Christian? You think you can, you can do this or you can do that? It's accusation. It is the voice of the devil. You want to step out, but the voice of accusation says, don't. You're never good enough. You're not a good enough parent or you're not, you're not a good enough husband or you're not a good enough wife or you're not a good enough friend or you're not a good enough worker. The devil is having a field day. in your head and it is not grace it is not grace it is not grace it is not the voice of God and it is not grace you know the Bible says this it says see accusation is not effective the Bible says it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance you have been so, so kind to me. That is our God. So, so kind. Every time I blow it, so, so kind. Every time I miss the mark, he extends grace after grace after grace after grace after grace. He says, come here. Come here, you're my kid. Come here. I love you. I extend grace to you. And that's, that's the way that, as his kids, 
We need to live. We, we receive it. You can come up, guys. We receive it and we give it. We grow in grace as we receive and give. You can't give what you don't have. Some of you here need a revelation of the grace of God, the beautiful grace of God. Some of you here live like the, the elder son in the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son who did everything right. He ticked all the boxes. He did it all. He said to his father, I never left and I never got a party. And he didn't go into the party because the religious ones won't go into the party. Oh, no. There's no party. There's a party. God wants us in the party. <laughs> Your own efforts are never going to make it. God did it for you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.